welcome to the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, featuring your host, Angela Harders. We're committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. Together, we believe that the world is our biggest and best classroom, and the people and places in it are our greatest teachers. So I invite you to join me on the adventure of a lifetime, beginning with a conversation that can change the world. Hello, and welcome to the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, where we are committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. My name is Angela Harders. I'm a special education teacher, a gentle parenting author, and a proud world schooling mother to two amazing children, Sophia, who's seven, and Benjamin, who is three. And today on the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, I have the privilege and honor of introducing you to Torianne Perkey. Torianne is a homeschooling mom of 18 years with four kids, ages 15 to 21. She's also the co-founder of Integrate Up, which is a recruiting agency that helps people who want to work online get hired by visionary CEOs looking to build their dream teams. She is a huge fan of creating a flexible life on your terms, whether that's working from home or homeschooling your children, two things that I am passionate about. So thank you so very much for joining us today, Torianne. I am so excited to be able to have you here. And thank you everyone else who's listening as you join us for a conversation that can change the world. Well, thank you, Angela. I'm so excited to be here and to talk about this. This is going to just be so much fun. <laughs> it will be. I'm really excited. I feel like you have so much to share with, um, with my audience. It's going to be a real blessing for them. Um, so to get started, can you share with us a little bit more about you and your family and your story? Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, I've been homeschooling for 18 years. I was one of those. So I call myself kind of a grandma in the homeschool world because that means I've been around a long time, certainly also pre-COVID. But um, I was one of those moms who swore she would never, ever, ever homeschool because sending <laughs> your kids to school was so you could get a break. And then my oldest came out of the womb, just different. She, I like to say she wasn't just dancing to the beat of a different drummer. She was hanging out in the corner doing some kind of like marimba jazz thing. And I just, so, <laughs> I mean, yeah, she was just, so and, um, and so I had a friend who was exploring homeschooling. I started to look into it. And so when she was three and a half, we sort of officially said, yeah, let's give this a try. And I know that's like preschool, but that was kind of when my mentally shifted a little bit. And at first it was year by year. Um, at the time, we didn't know that we were going to have an alphabet soup of mental learning disabilities and other things that made um, that just made it obvious that um, public school would be a little more complicated. Mm -hmm. And I've been pretty open about that over the years. And my kids know that. And so, uh, yeah, we just we went from doing it like year by year to doing it every year to just becoming just full on committed homeschool fam a homeschool family that was committed to making it work. And now I've got two that are graduated, one that is, uh, she's um, in college and another one that is, he's actually right now studying to be a dancer. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a different, 
a different thing. And then I have a June. Well, I see, I can never remember. I, she, let's say I'd have a junior and a ninth grader. So we are kind of at the end. We're kind of, I'm, mm-hmm. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's <laughs> you know, it's hard to believe that we are this far. So, uh, and over the years, we've tried lots of different things and we've done lots of things. Um, but yeah, uh, I am, I am a 100% advocate of homeschooling. And then, like you said, along the way, uh, I figured out that you could do the whole work from home thing. And I tried a bunch of stuff. I've had several of my own businesses, uh, done different things. At one point, I actually ran my own homeschool business, teaching other people how to homeschool, but I don't really do that much with that anymore. Um, And now I run a recruiting agency that helps people find jobs online. So yeah, got a lot going on. (laughs) (laughs) That is amazing. Um, So I'm so glad that you're my first guest that actually has been doing homeschooling for a really long period of time. So I have been helping families. Um, I'm a public school teacher, but I've been helping other families homeschool for over 10 years. Um, but my own children, you know, I mentioned my oldest is seven. So I feel like I'm at the very beginning of my own personal journey into homeschooling. And so I'm really excited to learn from your experience. Um, so your children have never been to public school then? So no, they've never been to public school. We, um, for a couple years, the last couple of years, they did attend a once a week charter school program that was specifically designed for homeschoolers, obviously, because it was once a week. And for the last eight years, our family has been involved in a co-op Commonwealth. They have different names where, you know, the homeschool moms all come together. We create a school. Um, ours is, ours has been around 12, 13 years long enough to be a nonprofit. And so my kids do go to school once a week there and have, an, and they all have done that. Um, and that's really, really cool. That's just for our teenagers. That's just a teenager school, mm-hmm. but no, they have never gone to public school. Wow. Um, and do they ever ask about like going, have they ever wanted to go to public school before? Oh my goodness. That's such a funny story. So my oldest used to say she wanted to go. And I asked, I, I so I'd start digging. She was probably, I don't know, six, seven and she said, well, I really just want to ride a school bus. And they had watched <laughs> Arthur. <laughs> and uh-huh. so their whole, their whole vision of school was they ride school buses and they're school bullies. That's all they knew about public <laughs> school because Arthur's all about these storylines, I guess, that have, that yeah. have bullies in them. Yeah. And so um, they were both terrified. So anyway, we, a bunch of moms and I, we orchestrated uh, renting. A, we, well, we would ride the city bus once a year to just kind of feed that need. And then one year we actually chartered a school bus to do a field trip just and then my daughter never said she wanted to ride a school bus again because they're actually <laughs> super uncomfortable. <laughs> they are. <laughs> um, but that's really cool that you were able to, you know, kind of check that off of her, her wish list there for her. Yeah. And, you know, as they got older, I think they, they appreciated that they had so much more time to follow their passions and to do what yeah. they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And when they would interact with kids who were in public school, you know, through church or whatever, and the kids would talk about how much homework they had and everything. I think my kids just started to clue in that they, they had a really good thing going and Mm -hmm. they had a social circle and they had all the things they, they kind of had a full life. Mm -hmm. And so they didn't feel like they needed, they needed that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if we'd ever felt like the, there was a class, I was never against sending my kids to a, a, class at the high school. You know what I mean? Like there was never any reason why I was not one of these anti-public schoolers as much as I was an advocate for creating the best education for my kids possible. That's beautiful. Yeah. You know, my kids, they, they all have been able to find their own things 
without needing the public school system. And so we haven't had to go that route, even though we kind of kept the door open. And still, I mean, I've got a, a ninth grader. I mean, it could be that he ends up needing something that the high school has to offer. But so far, we've been able to fill that need every other way. <laughs> I think that's beautiful that you said that it's not about being anti-school, but really about creating that that ideal environment for your individual child, um, which, you know, as a public school teacher, I feel like I can say with confidence that, you know, being able to be homeschooled is one of the best ways, I think, to be able to, to do that for a child um, because you're able to meet their individual needs. Just like you mentioned that whatever their needs have been up until this point, you've been able to find a way to do it. And now with resources like out school, or, um, I don't know if you guys are doing like dual enrollment or things like that. Do did they do, did your children do dual enrollment? We don't do dual enrollment, but we do have a really interesting program. I'm in Utah and we have an interesting program that's in a couple States that, um, connects, it allows my children to, officially like technically be enrolled in an online charter school but we have absolutely no interaction with them but then it allows us to get some funding through the state and I know that there are homeschoolers who absolutely would never want to you know connect themselves to in any way to state funding Mm -hmm. but for us it was an answer to prayer at a time when we couldn't afford to do certain things and that allowed us to just get some extra money to cover some costs yeah so we don't have that here, but that sounds that sounds like that's a really helpful option to be able to at least have that choice that you can be able to benefit from having some of those funds that the school that the schools use for children but aren't typically spending. I'm not sure how much it costs in, in Utah, but I was actually looking at this the other day in, in Montgomery County, which is where I live right outside of Washington, D.C., we spend $16,000 per child to be in a public school. And I'm just like, man, it... <laughs> For $16,000, like as a homeschooling mom, I feel like I could do so much with that of being able to provide them with resources and trips and all these other supplemental things. Um, you know, I, I would very happily use, use some of that money to be able to do something great. Yeah. And we don't get, I mean, the, the way this program is structured, we don't get nearly that much and that's totally <laughs> fine. I mean, we get plenty. I, um, but I think, I think it's really interesting. The idea that uh, there's so many options. You were mentioning uh, the out school and all that. And I am blown away, you know, 18 years ago, Facebook was not a thing and Yahoo groups were. So if you have anyone who's older, who still remembers what a Yahoo group was, and it was, it was hard to find homeschool moms. Like Mm -hmm. the internet really did make it possible to find each other, but we still had to kind of work at it. You had to find someone who could plug you into the system. You couldn't just like Google it. And, um, it's been fascinating to watch over the years, the explosion of, um, of resources that are available Mm -hmm. so that it is easier to homeschool now than it ever used to be to the point where now there's so many choices. It's overwhelming. You know, it used to be, there was maybe two curriculum options in some ways and neither was great. And it was, you know, or it wasn't, it was something that someone had kind of cobbled together. And now they're, the materials are beautiful. There's so many, it, you can find something for almost any, worldview, political view, religious view, you'll be able to find something that helps you. And that is such a blessing for our community because homeschool should be all about choosing how you want to educate your kids and how, what you want to be exposed as exposing them to. Yeah. Um, I, I absolutely agree. You know, being able to have that freedom and to have so many choices and options is a real blessing um, as a homeschooling parent that we have access to so many different 
different resources that we can use and incorporate. And um, that's actually one of the reasons why, you know, I love unschooling, um, you know, where I mentioned before, we're an unschooling family or a world schooling family. And so we don't have any formal curriculum, but we have so many different resources that we're able to use that can add and supplement and, and fuel our learning every single day. Um, and I'm curious, what kind of homeschooling style do you and your family have? Oh, it's such a funny question. So I, I think I, anyone who's homeschooled a really long time will probably say they're more eclectic than anything else. And I think that's probably a good fit. I think when my kids were younger, uh, we definitely didn't do a lot of curriculum. I, I was very child-led. My goal was always to um, foster creativity and to be able to follow passion and for them to really just find how they were going to make a difference in the world. Uh, and we were dirt poor. Well, okay. I shouldn't say that. I felt like we were, I didn't even feel like we were poor. We just didn't have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't have money to buy curriculum. And so I would make stuff. I would make my own flashcards. I would make my own games. I would make my own whatever. Uh, so in hindsight, there are things I think, oh, I probably should have bought something, but you know, that they've worked out. Okay. As we've gotten older, we've just kind of pieced it together based on what their need is. Every kid has gone through a different math program. <laughs> we just oh, wow. yeah, we just can't find, we never could find one thing that worked for everybody. And, um, and, and so, yeah, we would just pick, I would just go looking for the thing that would work best for the kid, uh, particularly when they got old enough that they could be independent learners. Um, once before they were independent learners, we just played lots of games. We probably would have been called a game schooling family. How? Uh, yeah. And there's actually a really cool Facebook group. That's all about game schooling, which of course did not exist when I was trying to do it, but um, it's a lot of fun. And so I, uh, that's probably what we, game schooling unschooling. And now we just kind of pick random stuff. So I, that's a really non-helpful answer, but we just kind of tread our own path. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that is definitely helpful. I, I think, you know, it's important for parents to hear that, you know, as you mentioned, it kind of evolves over time and you find different resources that work for different kids and not the same thing works for everyone. And that's okay. Um, I love that you mentioned game schooling. That has been something that has been on my radar for a long, long time. Um, can you share with us a little bit more about what game schooling looked like for you and your family? Uh, so I would, uh, so it, okay. So a little bit of background about me. I went to school and majored in college in classical studies, Latin. Like oh, I wow. was, and, and I was the most buttoned up a student, follow the lines, check the boxes, all of that. And like I said, my daughter came out completely different. And wouldn't you know it, the rest of them did too. And so they were allergic to checklists, allergic to workbooks, allergic to everything that I saw in schooling. And so in order to keep them engaged and not that battle, I just found that if I turned things into a kinesthetic, meaning really active physical body and games, they tended to do best. And my daughter was really into stories. So we would look for games we would look for games or for activities that allowed them to be moving, that allowed them to be hands-on, that allowed them to be project-based, but we would also play games. So we would play Monopoly or we would play, uh, oh man, it's been a while since, I mean, I would look for games to teach grammar, grammar um, lessons. I would, I looked for storytelling games to teach how to do writing. We would, uh, we would make up treasure hunts to do math facts. Like, 
that was back when I, when everybody was little, I had more time. <laughs> now I don't have time to do that, but they don't need that anymore. So when all my kids were younger, so I, it, it wasn't some for a lot of game schooling is often buying games. So like you would look for a game that teaches certain things. Mm-hmm. And I did some of that, but I made a lot of games as well. We would do Easter egg hunts with spelling words inside of them because my daughter would find, she just, she'd spell words for me if she'd found them inside an egg. So I was always looking for ways to do that. And the other, you know, and then you could play with the little kids, like the toddlers didn't get in the way. Yeah. So, yeah, I, and then as they got older, we would play more games, but by then we were transitioning into more scholarly stuff and our Mm -hmm. co-op provided the structure around that. So that's really, that's really cool. We, um, I'm, I'm in an unschooling group on Facebook and that has been really helpful for me. And one of the things that a game that we play in our unschooling group is they ask the question, what is my child learning when? And um, a lot of times people will ask that. They'll say, what is my child learning when they're playing Monopoly or when they're playing this game? And playing that game in my own life has been so helpful for me and just being able to look for the learning that they're doing. Because a lot of times I think we just view games as like, you know, this silly little play thing that they're doing, but we really don't see all the learning opportunities that there are when they're playing these different games, you know, and I love how you turned Easter egg. I mean, who thinks of that? Like turning Easter eggs into this spelling game. And so it makes spelling be something that's fun and engaging for them. And like you mentioned, they're having to move around and find them. And I mean, that's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. Well, thank you. I think I think the phrase the um, necessity is the mother of invention is probably most apropos here. <laughs> like, <laughs> it just there was there was no other way to keep the peace and have the relationship stay intact with my kids and without doing something like that or just throwing up my hands and saying, "Okay, we're not going to do anything." And I I couldn't do that. And since homeschooling is kind of how a marriage of how the mom and the kids work together. We needed to be doing something that felt like learning. So that's why I don't call myself a true unschooler because I couldn't just let go. Right. It didn't look like traditional school at all. (laughs) I really do think that that is, that is a piece of unschooling though. Like unschooling isn't just kind of throwing your hands back and being like, oh, we're not doing anything, but I I think it is doing exactly what you're doing. Like you were being intentional about the, the things that you were doing, you were being intentional in their play and, and with the different, you know, activities that you guys were engaged in and, and creating those opportunities for them to learn in ways that were meaningful and fun for them. Um, Yeah. I I think the beautiful word you use there is intentional. And I think that is the root of what makes homeschool successful is an intentional mom doing good things. Yeah, absolutely. And dad and dad, (laughs) I'm sorry. Yes, of course. Of course. Or grandparents (laughs) or whoever you are, you know, sometimes it's, it's not just moms. I feel like you know, my, my parents too are, are pouring into my children and their learning and yeah, all of the people that are in our lives get to, get to contribute to what they're learning about. Um, so while you were, while your children were younger, um, were you also working while you were homeschooling or, or how did, how did that happen? Like starting the, this career of working from home? Yeah. So that's a really good question. Um, no, but I was heavily, heavily involved in volunteering in my church Mm. to the point where if I needed to work, it would have been the equivalent, right? Like I was probably giving 20 hours a week to my church volunteer work. And then as they got older, some of that shifted. And then I was, I was always doing things, but initially I wasn't working. 
Um, but the reason I say that is because as I describe what I'm doing now, I wouldn't want anyone listening to be like, oh, well, of course, once your kids are older, you can work because I was always involved in things that looked like work. It just didn't have a paycheck attached to it. Yeah. Um, so I was doing, I did professional storytelling for a while and that was really interesting. I didn't get paid a ton. It was mostly like, I call it professional storytelling because I did get paid some for some of those things. And then um, I did, I got really interested. I did blogging for a while and then I played her, I did some life coaching for a while. So that's, I did start doing that. I was messing around. I was kind of messing around with what, what can I do from home? Cause I knew we needed to generate more income. And, um, and then I shifted over to, like I said, kind of doing my own. Um, I had a homeschooling business for a while where I taught people how to homeschool and you can still find all my videos online. Um, and people can go to that website still up. It's called homeschool homeschool.com. And I did about two, three years worth of YouTube videos that were just how to homeschool. And just gen because what really bothered me is when I would go and hear people talk about how to homeschool and they would freak the new parents out because they would make it sound like you had to do it a certain way. And, and mm -hmm. inevitably their kids were brilliant and going to college when they were 12 and all this stuff. And I <laughs> was like, that does not look like my family. Let's spell it out. Let me talk about the reality of making homeschool work in a messy situation. So anyway, mm -hmm. if your listeners want to go check that out, I don't actually do anything with that anymore because I've moved on, but it's, I feel like it's good content. So I leave it up. And then, so then I switched over to this. So yes, I've always worked, but I've done a variety of things. And it's only in the last, I, I, you know, last eight, eight, nine years that I've consciously said, how can I bring in income to help supplement my family? Mm -hmm. But I could have done it a lot sooner. One, if a lot sooner had been now, because it's way easier now than it was when my kids were little. Um, the internet's just such an amazing place for that. And then two, I didn't know what was available and I didn't, I, I just didn't realize what was available. So it's a very long answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're working from home now, and I guess your main job working from home is, is integrate up. Is that correct? Yeah. So now I have a business partner and she and I run integrate up and it is a recruiting agency that helps CEOs, digital online entrepreneurs find dream team that build their dream team. So we, they'll come to us and they say, we need to hire a virtual assistant, or we need to hire a marketing manager part-time full-time. And then we help them fill that position. So they hire us to do that. And then, so we cultivate and help support a lot of people who are also looking for positions. And our goal is to help everyone who wants to work online be able to do that, whether or not they get hired for a position we post or whether or not they find one of the many, many, many other positions that are available. We all benefit if this online working world gets more robust and more well-known and the more people that know about it, everyone benefits. So that's what I do now is I run that company um, with my business partner. That's wonderful. And actually, um, before we started recording, I was sharing with you about um, a, a group that I'm basically kind of leading right now. Um, so we have over 250 teachers that are in my district. Well, not just teachers, but teachers and other staff members that are in my district. They're about to lose their jobs over the COVID mandates. Um, and everything. And so a lot of them, I'm sure, are looking for what their other options are 
um, what, what else they can be doing. And I know a lot of us are looking for opportunities to be able to work from home. What are some tips or tricks that you might be able to share with us for someone who's wanting to start a job working from home or maybe create a job working from home? Yeah. So there, there's, there's a couple ways to break this down and I'm going to try to keep this concise because I don't want to get too out, out in the weeds, but there are full-time or part-time remote positions where you're an employee of a company, right? So it's, it's like you're going to work every day, but you're sitting at home working every day. And if you do that, um, then you are an employee, you're a W-2, you know, everything that goes along with that benefits, paid time off. It just depends on how that's structured. Some have benefits, some don't. And then there's what we call contract workers and contract workers are people who are technically running their own business and then they're hiring their services out. They can also be part-time or full-time, although those tend to be more part-time and you can land a part-time contract position that is, uh, you know, 20 hours a week and it can last for years, or it can be a contract position that lasts for a couple of months. And then you have to go find another, you know, another contract. And so both type exist. Um, I love the, the cool thing about contract working is that it allows you the flexibility to create the life that you want, which is a really good fit if you are homeschooling. So let's say, you know, whether I was working or whether I was volunteering, one of the things I did is I structured my life. So there was, you know, my kids would kind of get up at a certain time, but I could have worked before they got up. I could have mm -hmm. certainly worked during their quiet time, nap time, which I was always insistent happen. And I could have worked in the evenings. Um, you have that flexibility as a contract worker. Mm. So first, I just wanted to find the difference that it depends on what you're looking for, right? Mm -hmm. If you just choose to be a contract worker, uh, there, there are as many opportunities out there as you can imagine. So what I like to do is say, look, if you've never worked online before, you kind of want to look at, you want to get a good feel for what types of positions are out there that would be a good fit for what you can do right? So you're looking at, well, what skills do I have and what are transferable skills? So do I know music? Do I understand social media? Am I really good at being organized? Do I get spreadsheets? Do I know accounting? Like mm -hmm. you're just thinking through, okay, if a business were to hire me, what would be the skills that they could, they could use? And some great ways to figure that out is to just go on a job searching website like Indeed mm -hmm. and just put in remote and just kind of play around with your skills. You can Google, you know, skills for someone who's organized to work from home. Like you just start to Google. I'm, I'm a big fan of Googling to just see what the <laughs> internet brain tells you. Um, but another really, really great resource is to get in Facebook groups and you can start in a mom's Facebook group. You could start in a homeschool Facebook group and you could just say, who works from home? What do you do? And just kind of start collecting those ideas. Um, and I, without any compensation, there is one Facebook group in particular. There's a woman named Lauren Golden who runs, she calls it the Free Mama Movement. And she has a Facebook group. And she is all about teaching moms how to be able to be flexible, working from home as a contract worker. Mm -hmm. And I, I love sending people her way. If they're just trying to figure out how, what do I have? What skills do I have that could work? I think a lot of, school teachers, homeschool moms, um, people who know how to run a house well. Uh, the online world is always open to virtual assistants. 
Um, if you like social media, social media management, there are, I, I've already, I've already listed some, but those, those in particular lend themselves to this work that your audience in particular is probably very naturally inclined to already know how to do. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would recommend. Uh, and then once you've kind of identified, it's like any job, once you've identified kind of the industry, you get, you start paying attention to, okay, well, what software do I need to know? Because mm-hmm. online work is all going to be on the computer. That's just the nature of what you're doing, right? <laughs> so you, you start, you say, okay, well, if I want to be, and I'm going to use social media manager, for example, what are social media schedulers? How do people write and schedule those posts? You know, do they, do you know how to use Canva? If you don't like, that's something you're going to need to know. And you get, you, you can actually just teach yourself some skills Mm -hmm. so that you are, if you don't already have them so that you are then more marketable when you go out to start finding those positions, but you can get some positions with very little experience. And like I said, I, I feel like Lauren Golden is, and her free mama movement is one of the best resources to just get a good broad picture of what's available there. Mm. So that's wonderful. I feel like you shared with us so many different, really important resources. I'm going to make sure that I um, jot down all of those different resources that she mentioned, and I'll include those in the notes. So that way, if there's anyone that's listening and wants to be a part of some of those things or, or look into those different resources that, that Torian has mentioned, you'll be able to do that. Um, so just make sure you check out the description. I'll have all of those things listed there for you. Um, I'm, I'm wondering, how do you balance spending time, investing time with your children while also navigating this, um, you know, work from home thing. I know you mentioned working before the kids get up, working during their quiet time, working during the evenings. Um, I think for me personally, that's something that has been a challenge because when you do work from home, I feel like you can work all all day long. And sometimes I have a hard time, like, okay, I'm going to close my laptop. Now I'm going to spend focused time with my children, you know? Um, how did you manage balancing that and and having, making sure that you were investing time with your children as well as um, in your business? Yeah. So, oh, I'm so glad that you asked the question. And I love the way you asked that question because it it is an interesting balance with, you know, you could work all the time and I am a self-proclaimed workaholic and it is not a good thing. <laughs> um, so what I did from the very beginning is I saw homeschooling as part of my job. I saw it as a work and I thought, okay, if I committed to an employer that I would show up for work every day, I would show up for work every day and I wouldn't make excuses about being tired or, you know, it's cold outside or whatever, like whatever could Mm -hmm. be the thing. I, so I treated homeschooling like a job and that meant that I put my phone away I, uh, we were pretty good about starting at certain times. And I know that doesn't work for everybody, but my, but the mentality was one of, I I'm committed to my kids as much as I'd be committed to somebody else. Hmm. And then I think this is where it gets tricky because you don't always get to program when your kids need you. Right. Right. But the number of times that they, there's an emergency or there's a real need is not as much as sometimes we feel the guilt of like, we should always be available for our kids or I'm never available for my kids. And so I think we intentionally, 
think time blocking is really powerful when it comes to this. And you say, okay, mom is available in, let's just pick a, an example. Mom's available in the morning and that's awesome. I, that's when we do our schooling. That's when I can help you with things. But you know what, in order to make this work, mom's got to work in the afternoons. And so let's talk about what that looks like. And obviously different ages, different needs, whether you have older kids watching younger kids or whether you, you know, ask grandma to be involved or whether you're hiring some, you know, you're hiring another homeschool kid to come over and help with your kids in the afternoon. I've seen everything. Um, And a shout out to single moms who are trying to figure this out and financially can't afford help. Um, there are options out there. It just gets more complicated. And mm-hmm. I just, my heart goes out to how tired a single, a single mom or a single dad would be who's trying to balance it all. I think it's doable. That's me. <laughs> okay. So I think that's really hard because you have fewer resources to just lean on and you're just, you know, but um, I think you have to train your kids to when you are and are not available and what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And then if they need you during those, I'm not available times, um, you're, you know, you have things in place and you're looking for on. So some online work requires that I be in video calls. Right. And then there's online work where I'm just sitting at my laptop. Well, I can have my three-year-old next to me talking to me and I can be, you know, I can be doing stuff while I'm on my laptop. And then it's only that hour meeting that I have to be in once a week with the whole team where I'm actually like, I I'm going to need to put something on and they're going to need to watch it during that hour. Um, I was never embarrassed to use the TV or the screens as a babysitter intentionally as well. Like I felt like with balance, that was appropriate. Um, as long as I wasn't overdoing that, mm-hmm. uh, the other things, did I answer your question? I feel like it was, did you, you did, know? you did. Yeah. That, I think that was, it was very thorough, um, answer. I love the suggestions that you provided and how to do that. I feel like you gave a lot of really practical um, steps that we could try, even some things I'm going to start experimenting with myself. And, you know, cause that was definitely a concern for me. You know, I'm, I'm a single mom myself and I had wanted to homeschool because I'm a teacher. And I just remember thinking, you know, after I had my daughter, well, I, homeschooling wasn't on my radar either. Um, <laughs> but then as she started getting older, I just remember thinking like, I spend my whole day teaching other people's kids. And I'm like, I want to experience teaching my daughter how to read. Like, I want to see her, those light bulb moments for her. You know, I don't want to miss out on that. But I remember feeling that struggle of how can I homeschool as a single parent? Because, you know, the reality is I have to work, you know, I can't just be the stay at home mom homeschooling all day long. Um, and, you know, cause I don't have someone that's supporting me financially in that. And so that has definitely been a struggle for, for me personally. And, and being able to find that balance between, you know, investing time in my children and being present and putting away my phone, putting away my laptop and being focused with them um, while also making sure that I'm investing the appropriate amount of time into work and, and business and, you know, things, things like this, you know, being able to have these conversations that hopefully we'll be able to continue to grow and, um, and, you know, be a, a, another, you know, source of income for me, hopefully in the future one day, that would be a, that's a, a goal of mine. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you know, so I, I'm, one of the things that I've really come to realize is we, as a generation can, are feel guilty, no matter what we're doing. You feel guilty if you're spending time with your kids, 
You feel guilty if you're not spending time with your kids. You feel guilty if you do too much for your kids. You feel guilty if you don't do enough for your kids. And I think that's because we have so much information coming at us from all kinds of sources that tell us how we're supposed to do homeschool correctly or how we're supposed to parent correctly. And homeschooling is just parenting magnified. So anything that happens in the parenting world, you just ratchet it up by 10 and that's going to be happening as a homeschool mom or dad. And so I, I think, and I, I cannot say that I was always successful with this or that I'm still not successful. You know, I, I have good days and bad days and my kids are, you know, in high school, but when we are intentional, and I feel like that's the word for this episode, when we're intentional, we can ratchet down the guilt because by we're choosing the time that we're spending. So instead of like working all day and then feeling guilty, you didn't give enough time to your kids or spending tons of time with your kids and then feeling guilty that you're not working. You're saying, okay, this is when I do this. This is when I do this. I've set the expectation I'm choosing. And then I think intentional choices help eliminate guilt Mm. a lot. I don't know that it completely gets away with, gets rid of it, but I feel like it's takes you down the road of feeling better about your choices. I I totally agree. I think the suggestion that you had about having that schedule and scheduling that time to homeschool or scheduling that time with your children and viewing that as a part of your work um, and valuing that time as a part of your work is really, really helpful, you know, because then I feel like it's easier to have that balance and you can have grace for yourself because I know that I can be fully present with you because I know that in an hour I'm going to be fully present doing something else. And so I can be fully satisfied with the fact that I have an hour that I can spend with you and I'm going to enjoy every single minute of that hour. And then when I go to do my work, I can fully enjoy the work that I'm doing because both of them are, are pursuing my passions. You know, I love being able to be present with my children and I love being able to work and write books and um, make YouTube videos and podcasts. And, you know, I love being able to do this too. Um, and so being able to value both of those things and not feel guilty that I'm doing the things that I love in, in both spheres, both with my children and with my work. I I think that's brilliant. Yeah. I, you know, so children benefit from seeing their moms and, and we'll use some, I mean, traditionally the dad is gone in the mom homeschools, right? But world has changed so much that it doesn't necessarily look like that anymore. But I think mothers in particular can get lost inside their homeschool and they can get lost inside of mothering. It mm. is a full-time mental pursuit to raise a human being to adulthood successfully. Like, I mean, of course it is. <laughs> but if our children don't see us doing anything but that, we do them a disservice and we do ourselves a disservice. Our children need to see that their moms and dads are humans outside of the parenting realm because it gives them a vision that that is part of what they can be when they grow up. And it's not just that they're, you know, that, that they're doing whatever they're going to do. So they have to step into some prescribed role for them. But I just think it opens up their mind that mom is more than just the person who shows up and takes care of me. Mm -hmm. And I have watched so many women who finish homeschooling their kids or finish just raising their kids. And then they look around and they say, now, what do I do? Mm -hmm. And I think that is such, that's a tragedy. I mean, and they figure, you know, most of them hopefully figure it out, but I think what a tragedy if you don't have a piece of yourself that you continue to develop independent. 
of that. And if you're working, guess what? That is the thing. Like, like you don't have time to homeschool and parent and have like lots of hobbies. It doesn't work that way. But if you're, (laughs) you're working, that can be the thing that they see that's independent of the mothering piece. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. One of the things that, um, that my best friend used to say, well, she still says all the time, she says, do something that you love every single day. And that has been something that I have really tried to be purposeful to do because, you know, as a single mom, there's so much that I have to do myself. Um, but I've been so thankful for her because she actually, she, she was the one who was like, I'm going to watch the kids and you go read for an hour. Cause that's something that she knows that I love to do. And I was, you know, just telling her, I, I feel like I haven't gotten a chance to do something that I love. And she was like, go, go do, I'll watch the kids. You go read, you know? So if you have a single mom friend in your life, um, <laughs> maybe just think about ways that you can serve her or even not even necessarily a single mom, but any mom that, you know, in your life, um, or if you're a spouse or whatever, like look for ways that you can help support, um, the parents that, you know, in your life in pursuing what they love and having times to, to, to really invest in doing something that they love. One thing that you love every single day. Um, it doesn't have to be an hour. It could be just five minutes or 10 minutes or, or whatever, but you're absolutely right, Torian. Our kids need to be able to see that we haven't just, you know, lost our individuality in our motherhood, but that we have our own unique passions and interests that are worthy of pursuing. And we have our own things that we want to learn and grow in. And that's just as valuable as the learning and growth that our children are doing. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think the other, the other thing I hear in that is that no one should have to do it alone. And that Mm -hmm. seeking out support networks is powerful, whether you find your support network in a local homeschool group, whether you find your support network at church, whether you find your support network in your extended family, or you have a, you know, a mom's coffee club that meets at the park, you know, whatever it is. um, I don't, I don't think we were ever meant to try to do this whole parenting and, you know, by extension, homeschooling thing by ourselves. I think that that, you know, I think we need each other. And when we help each other, we all become better at it. Absolutely. We do. And you're right about, you know, even being able to have these groups on Facebook, it's really helping so much to be able to have access to that community. I can't even, I cannot even imagine trying to be a homeschooling mom and not having access to Facebook or Instagram or these other resources that have helped me to connect with other homeschooling moms in my area. Um, But you're right. You know, we need to be again, intentional, intentional to create community Um, whether that be our blood family or our church family or whatever that might look like, but you're right. We're not meant to do this alone. We are meant to do this in community, living life together, learning from one another, learning with one another. Um, And we have the awesome privilege of being able to model that for our children every single day. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So I do have another question for you as someone who has, who is graduated some children, you've made it successfully from kindergarten to graduation. Um, I'm wondering what is one thing that you wish that you would have known from the beginning? Like what advice would you give to someone who is just starting their homeschool journey that you wish that you would have known? Um, so I will say the thing that I clung to for years and years and years until I had some proof in my own pudding. 
and it's having the faith that it will all work out. Mm. Um, the, the very fact that you have taken on the massive responsibility of homeschooling your children means that you are in charge of educating them. And for the most part, therefore the fear that they will not turn into successful contributing adults, um, is it just looms so large. And so for years and years, I would, I would listen to moms who graduated their kids and they would say, they're learning more than you think they know. You're learning more, like, like there will be gaps in their education. They will figure it out, uh, you know, on and on and on. And so I think that is the advice I would give because now I'm in a position where I feel like I can give it. I can promise you my kids have gaps. I can promise you that, like I said, we have, we have emotional and, um, as well as mental, um, struggles, you know, ADD, dyslexia, stuff like that. So do my kids have it all figured out? Absolutely not. Did my daughter go to her first biology class in college, realizing she'd had literally no biology? And that's a long story. And it was not because I didn't try, Um, (laughs) but she figured it out. She figured out how to study and she did well. Like she didn't get an A, but she got a B plus. And, and she said, you know, other people were reviewing. I was learning. She had learned how to learn and she was committed to doing well. Um, that's incredible. So she had never had a biology class. Her first biology class was in college and she took it and got a B plus. Yeah. Yeah. And she was interested in the topic. It was plants and that was something she wanted to learn about, but you know, I was so afraid, even with everything that people were telling me that Mm -hmm. somehow if I didn't give them everything, it was going to be a train wreck. And I, it, that's not, the truth. Like the kids that are going to struggle are going to struggle, whether you put them in public school or you keep them home and the kids who are going to figure it out and would have sailed either way are going to sail either way. So Mm -hmm. homeschooling is rarely, unless you are truly an isolated, we're not talking to anyone like those, you know, the, the rare, rare exception homeschooling is never the reason your kids aren't going to turn out well. (laughs) (laughs) And if you're intentionally showing up every day, not even every day, if you're intentionally showing up consistently week after week, year after year, your kids will have enough to figure out the rest. That Mm. would be my advice. I just, I feel like it's like a weight lifted off of my shoulders. Honestly, that was, that was one of my biggest fears when I first started homeschooling was this fear that, oh my gosh, I'm going to mess up her life. You know, if I don't absolutely everything that she needs to know, you know, and actually my, one of my biggest fears, um, I was actually a reading teacher, um, when I first started my career in education and I was terrified, you know, as I was exploring unschooling, I was worried that I'm going to be the reading teacher. Who's child doesn't know how to read, you know, cause I had heard unschoolers say that children learn how to read naturally. And I just had never experienced that before. And I was so worried that she would not learn how to read. And, um, and now my daughter's seven years old and she loves to read chapter books and she's actually written two of her own books. Um, but I'm curious from your perspective, I know you said that you started out doing the more child-led learning. Um, how did your children learn how to read? Oh my goodness. I'm so glad you asked this question. So I think, first of all, we just have to do numbers. My oldest was eight and a half before she learned how to read. 
-hmm. second was five and he basically taught himself. He just started writing letters when he was 18 months old. He just loved letters. And then my third daughter, my third child is a daughter. She learned to read at eight and my fourth did not learn till he was 11 and a half. And I, with every kid, I'm glad he was last because it was not, it was not because we weren't trying. Um, but he had some eye issues and, uh, like I said, we've got some dyslexia and stuff. And what I learned is that if you are consistent, they, you'll figure it out. And if you really, if, I mean, if the kid is getting to be 10 and 11 and then there's probably more going on. And in this case, he had eye issues, he had focusing issues and he needed to do some therapy and stuff. Um, but they learned to, you know, I would teach him letters and then I had a couple like a book, a couple book series I love to use. Um, and we would just be very patient. And sometimes I would find that particularly with these kids that were struggling to read, they needed time for it to sink in. So we would work on it for a while and then we would take a big break and I'd come back and it would something, it was obvious that things had been happening even without me working on it. Wow. Um, now I will tell you those dyslexic kids still struggle with spelling. He is a ninth grader and we are still doing spelling. And my 21 year old who's in college, she's just like, I've got to learn how to spell better. She still recognizes she struggles with spelling, but that's a piece of their package, right? That's part of what they yeah. have to learn to manage. Um, and interestingly enough, the one who learned to read at five is not a big reader. I mean, he reads just fine, but he doesn't love to read. And the one, my oldest is a voracious reader and we can't, I mean, we used to punish her by taking away her books. Oh, wow. So le- when you learn to read doesn't really indicate even whether you will love to read. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, I, I love that you asked that question because I feel like I'm the poster child of take a deep breath, you'll figure it out and they will figure it out. <laughs> it's all going to be okay. I, I love okay. that. It, I think That's just brilliant. I mean, you have, you know, kids that started at all these different ages, super, you know, early, super late. Um, And, and again, you know, I I had someone tell me once, you know, the same way that kids are when they're learning how to walk, right? Like we, we don't identify like, oh, this kid learned how to walk when he was 11 months. And this one didn't walk until he was 18. Like he's a late walker, you know, like when they're older, no one can tell the difference between if they started at 11 months or 18 months or 36 months, you know, they just, we just walk. Um, and I will say, I will say that with that caveat, you want to be watching for signs that there might be more going on. Some kids really do need help with their eyes. It's helpful to find a vision specialist. Sometimes it's glasses. Sometimes it's actually, you know, processing stuff in the brain. Mm -hmm. So I think we need to have our homeschool mom radar up and you're asking questions while you're saying it's going to be fine. You don't want to project to the kid that there there's a problem, like you're failing because you can't read at six or whatever, (laughs) but you want to just kind of be paying attention and asking questions and moms who've been around the block for a while, I would ask a lot of moms and I just say, Hey, this is what I'm seeing. And you will probably discover there's some learning disabilities in there. And, um, and you know what, if you have a listener, I will tell you, there's a book called, um, the dyslexic advantage. And that's the, I love it because it, it broadens the scope of what dyslexia is. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's just a brilliant resource to help you understand how kids who think differently have superpowers and how we just need to be, help them manage some of the things that are a little more tricky for people who have, you know, kind of, 
I want to say, I don't want to say normal brains because that stigmatizes, but brains, yeah. traditionally thinking brains. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, I actually, I'm a, I'm a special education teacher and I have, ha have a lot of experience actually working with students that have dyslexia. And um, I'm in the process now of creating a program specifically for, um, well, I mean, I guess you could use it for anyone, but one of the reasons why I made it was to help support my students that had dyslexia and it actually teaches spelling, teaches typing through spelling and phonics. Um, and so that was something that um, I'm actually working on that now. I'm hoping I'll be able to release that course very soon. Um, but if any of you have children that are dyslexic or you want to begin to practice your spelling skills, or maybe you just want to learn how to type really, really quickly, um, this would be a great opportunity for you to, to do that because, you know, when you're typing, you're integrating all those different parts of your brain. So they're seeing the letters, um, they're having to read them, sound them out, but then they're also connecting kinesthetically, you know, to the different keys on the keyboard, which helps them increase their ability to spell um, because they're building those new neural pathways into where the letters are on the keyboard. So um, I'll have to share that with you. Maybe you could try it out with, with your child that has dyslexia and let me know if that helps, helps support him in his um, spelling and in his writing. Yeah. You know what? I love that. And I love the fact that you're doing it through typing because so often dysgraphia and the struggle to write is also often connected there. And so these kids don't even start to progress in the ways that they could progress because they get stuck on whether or not they can put pen to paper. And so right. typing often overcomes that. So, <laughs> so that's, it sounds like an amazing program that's sorely needed in the, in the homeschool community. Cause I think there, there is a higher percentage of kids with alternative brains in, in, that's one of the reasons that a lot of moms choose to homeschool is because yeah. their kids are struggling. So that's really cool. Yeah. Well, and even for, for kids that don't have dyslexia, I, I remember, um, you know, when I was teaching at the elementary school, they were doing their standardized tests in third grade. Um, and it was all on the computer. And I remember at the time I was teaching ESOL. So my students were English, English language learners. Most of them didn't have access to the internet or a computer at home. And I remember watching this girl and she just started crying and she was like, I can't do this. And it wasn't that she couldn't write out the paragraph. She was an amazing writer. She just didn't know how to type because she didn't have any experience at all with the computer. And I just remember seeing this poor child like crying in my classroom because she couldn't type fast enough. And I'm like, this isn't a writing test. This is a typing test, you know, for the, for these kids. And, and especially nowadays, you know, as you mentioned, there's so many opportunities to be able to grow our online work and working from home and using a computer to do so many different things and doing classes online at the university, or even now, you know, with virtual schooling happening all over the country, um, we're doing that too. And there's such a need for children to be able to learn how to type properly. I'm like, we should be teaching typing just as readily as we teach children how to use a pen and a paper. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think part of being a great homeschool mom is being able to look around and say, what are the skills my kids are going to need to be successful? And then finding ways to incorporate that into your homeschooling, no matter what your style is. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. And typing is definitely, definitely one of them. It's a skill that I think, um, is most people don't have, you know, I was fortunate. I, I went to a private school and so we had a typing class when I was at private school. Um, but you know, most of the people around me or most of my classmates, when I went to public school, they didn't have that. So they didn't know how to type and it would take them, 
three times as long to type their papers as it would me because I, I knew how to type properly and use all the right, you know, fingers and things like that. So I could, I could do that. Oh my gosh, it saved me so much time, <laughs> you know, being able to type yeah. 90 words, 90 words a minute makes a real big difference, you know, typing 90 words per minute versus I have students that type four words per minute. Um, so oh, yeah, it's just Awful, painful. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is. And it's, and it's so hard, you know, it, it just, it's definitely a skill that I think most people don't even think about like, oh, this is something that I, I, I do want my kids to learn how to be able to do. Um, but yeah, I'll definitely have to share that with you and you can try it when it's, once it's done, you could try it with your, with your children and let me know how they like it. Sounds great. Awesome. Um, well, thank you so very much for joining me today. This is, I feel like you've shared so much wisdom and knowledge, not only about homeschooling, but also about working from home and just your perspective on life and having these loving, connected, intentional relationships with our children. And what a beautiful reminder to really kind of keep the main thing, the main thing and um, and making sure that we're making the most of, of every minute that we have, whether that be with our children or at work or at home or even investing in time with ourselves. Um, so thank you so much for, for joining me, Tori, and it has been an absolute pleasure having you. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been, it's been wonderful to be here. All right. And I have one last question for you. Okay. Um, if anyone would like to connect with you, whether that be to just connect with you as another homeschooling mom or to connect with you in your work that you're doing with Integrate Up and either whether that be looking for a job working from home or looking to hire someone um, as a CEO looking for, for an employee, um, how can people get connected with you? Yeah, so that's an interesting question. So if you are looking for remote work, the place to find me is in the Facebook group Higher Up Online. It's completely free. And um, my company, as well as many, many other people, post remote positions that are fully legit, that pay well. Um, that's a great place. So come join that Facebook group Higher Up Online. Uh, and then if you are if you are someone who is looking to hire a service provider and would like some help doing that, then the best way to find us is to come to integrateup.co, not com, .co, uh, and, they, and you can come and you can find us there. You can book a call to have a conversation and we will uh, go from there. That would be awesome. All right. And then um, are you also on Facebook or Instagram? Uh, I am not personally. So the best place to find it, I am in that Facebook group regularly though. So that is really okay. the best place to find me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll make sure to include um, the links to the Facebook group, as well as your integrate up website so that uh, people are able to get connected with you and join you in the incredible work that you are doing in the world. Um, thank you so, so very much for, for sharing your knowledge and your expertise with us. It has been an absolute blessing. And I hope I'll be able to have you again on the podcast in the future. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> All right. And to the rest of you, thank you so very much for joining us today. I hope that this episode was a blessing for you and your family, just as much, uh, as much as it was a blessing for me. Remember that there are new episodes of the podcast that are released every Tuesday. So make sure that you subscribe so that you will not miss out on a single episode. Um, if you would like to support me and my work, please make sure that you share this episode with your family and friends or anyone else that you think would benefit from hearing this conversation with Tori Ann. Um, and also you can donate at my website, uh, www.peacefulworldschoolers.com or at the links, which I will include in the description below. I hope that your day is as wonderful as you are and I will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Join us next Tuesday 
on the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Harders, and I hope that your day is as wonderful as you are. If you like this video, please make sure you subscribe and click the bell so you will not miss out on a single episode.